0: 12 weeks for £12. Subscribe to The Spectator for this excellent deal and get a £20 Amazon voucher at www.spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher.
1: Welcome to Holy Smoke, The Spectator's religion podcast. I'm Damian Thompson. Next month, the Vatican and Beijing will start negotiations about the renewal of the 2018 deal which gave the Chinese Communist Party the power to nominate Catholic bishops who will be approved by the Pope. The details of that deal have never been revealed to the world, but what we do know is that Chinese Catholics are still being persecuted. Their churches are still being demolished, their clergy are still being arrested and tortured, and there is overwhelming evidence that some of the bishops whom Pope Francis now recognises are no more than Chinese Communist Party officials in Mitres. It's easy to see what China has got out of the 2018 deal. There is no longer a dissident underground Catholic Church loyal to Rome which might pose a threat to the authorities. Instead, it has been merged, with Pope Francis' approval, with the Patriotic Association. China's name for its puppet Catholic Church, set up by Chairman Mao in order to propagate Communist Party ideology disguised as Catholic worship. That hasn't changed. In fact, under President Xi's process of Sinification, China's state-controlled Catholic churches have introduced ever more elements of Communist Party theology, if you like, and iconography. Statues of Mao are appearing in churches all over China, replacing those of Jesus and the Virgin Mary. The big difference is that members of the underground church are now expected to go along with this and on the orders of the Pope. That's not to say that Francis has officially endorsed this signification of Catholicism, but he's enabled it to happen. For example, shortly after his deal was signed, he ordered the loyal Monsignor Vincent Guo Zijun, the Catholic Bishop of Mindong in Fujian province, to step down in favour of Monsignor Zan Silu who's not only vice-chairman of the Chinese Patriotic Association, but a member of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, which works, quote, under the strong leadership of the Party Central Committee, with General Secretary Xi Jinping at the core. Bishop Guo loyally stepped down from his diocese, following the instructions of the Holy Father, only to discover that he was, in fact, expected by Beijing to sign up to Maoist ideology, and when he refused, he ended up living on the streets. The Pope has said nothing about this outrage, but then the list of Chinese abuses of human rights about which he said nothing is an impressively long one. In July this year, for example, Pope Francis was due to include a message to the people of Hong Kong in his blessing from St. Peter's Square. The Vatican circulated a prepared text in which the Pope said that he hoped that social and especially religious life may be expressed in full and true liberty. But actually, when the Pope did speak, he cut those words out of the text. But Francis has reserved his loudest silence, as it were, for China's genocidal campaign against its Muslim Uyghur minority. As we speak, they're being forced into re-education camps, that is, concentration camps, and being subjected to a savage programme of forced abortions designed to reduce their numbers. This has particularly outraged the international Jewish community, which, understandably, is reminded of the early stages of the Nazis' genocidal campaign against their people. They're disgusted by the Vatican's apparent acquiescence in Chinese brutality. And so many Catholics, including, please note, the very liberal Lord Patton of Barnes, former governor of Hong Kong. But perhaps the most eloquent denunciation of Francis' silence has come from an atheist. The journalist Dominic Lawson, writing in the Sunday Times, in an article headed, The Pope is Beijing's Unlikely Admirer. He wrote, Sometimes what isn't heard makes the oddest impression. As more and more nations have expressed their concern about the growing evidence of concentration camps and even genocide in the Chinese province of Xinjiang, there has been silence from the entity that has the whole of suffering humanity at the core of its mission. I refer to the Holy See. Lawson added, births in the Uyghur regions of Hotan and Kashgar plunged by more than 60% from 2015 to 2018. To be clear, the previous policy of forced abortions and imprisonment for those who flouted the state-prescribed family size is now being applied to a minority race, with the intent of erasing their demographic footprint. No wonder this is being described as genocidal. No wonder Jewish newspapers are especially exercised about it. Yet, from the Vatican, normally the most vehement supporter of family life, and the most outspoken critic of voluntary abortions, let alone forced ones, barely a word. And Lawson went on to quote one of the Pope's closest allies, his fellow Argentine Bishop Marcelo Sanchez Sorondo, Chancellor of the Pontifical Academy of Social Sciences, who in 2018 said, unbelievably... Right now, those who are best implementing the social doctrine of the Church are the Chinese. The situation is quite simply a disgrace, but also baffling. What has the Vatican actually gained from its deal with China? Last year, Cardinal Joseph Sen, the heroic former leader of the Church in Hong Kong, wrote privately to the world's 223 cardinals, giving them the squalid details of the betrayal of Catholics in China. Catholicism was quite simply being murdered there, he explained. But most of his fellow cardinals, with absolutely characteristic cowardice, simply ignored him. Nor are they very interested in the betrayal of China's other minorities. Black lives matter, but Uyghur ones don't, it seems. What's going on? Why has the Catholic Church, and particularly the Vatican, and especially the Pope, allowed itself to become so morally compromised? It's true that, under Popes John Paul II and Benedict XVI, the Vatican Secretariat of State had consistently accommodated the Chinese regime, to the point where, even before the deal, it was difficult in parts of China to tell the difference between the official and the so-called underground churches. But Francis's deal was simple capitulation. It didn't look good. It didn't do any good and it's very hard to explain why, apparently, the Vatican is extremely keen to renew it. Unless, that is, we take another factor into account. Money. The Catholic Church hasn't got any, the Vatican's finances are in a state of chaos, and China could solve its immediate problems simply by writing a cheque. Lots of Western institutions, including some very politically correct universities, have happily trousered large sums from one of the world's most repressive regimes as the Vatican joined their number. Should we be following the money? Given that the Vatican is almost as secretive and almost as prone to telling lies as the People's Republic of China, that's not an easy thing to do. But over the last year, claims have surfaced, suggesting that the cash has started to flow from Beijing to Vatican City. And I'll be looking at the evidence for those claims later in the programme. But first, I spoke earlier to the journalist Catherine Lafferty, and Father Benedict Keeley of Nazarene.org, who've been keeping a close eye on the persecution of, respectively, the Uyghurs and Chinese Catholics. Here's Catherine, whose, to my mind, perfectly accurate diagnosis of the situation is lent extra force by the fact that her own great-grandfather perished in Dachau.
2: The Uyghurs are a Turkic minority group who are mainly Sunni Muslims, and they live in the Xinjiang region in northwestern China, making up about 45% of the population. They did used to be more than that, but large-scale immigration of Han Chinese has taken the proportion of Han Chinese to about 40% of the population. China is said to be the place where Big Brother meets Big Data, and Urumqi, the capital of Xinjiang, is one of the most surveyed cities in the world. There's very heavy police presence in the region. And tens of thousands of extra police officers have been recruited in recent years. It was in April 2017 that China introduced new restrictions in Xinjiang in what it described as a campaign against Islamist extremism. These measures included prohibitions on what they called abnormally long beards, and on the wearing of veils in public places. In October 2018, the bipartisan US Congressional Executive Commission on China published its annual report and it made for very grim reading. It expressed its particular concern over the mass arbitrary internment of as many as a million or more Uyghurs and other Muslim ethnic minorities in political re-education camps. It said reports indicate that this may be the largest incarceration of an ethnic minority population since World War II and may constitute crimes against humanity. It said that local officials in the Xinjiang region had used alarming political rhetoric to describe the purpose of the government policy, such as, quote, eradicating tumours and, quote, spraying chemicals on crops to kill weeds. The report detailed conditions in the camps. It said that um, people could be detained for any number of reasons, including frequency of prayer, expression or politically incorrect views, the history of travel abroad and connections with people outside China, and that detentions appeared to be indefinite in most cases. It noted that press reports had documented propagandistic slogans that detainees were required to chant, such as thank the party, thank the motherland, thank President Xi, before being permitted to eat. There have been stories of Uyghurs disappearing in places like Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan, believed to be arrested by Chinese police uh, and then reappearing in internment camps. As the grim reality of what is happening in Xinjiang has become clear, people are increasingly calling it what it is, Lord Patton has bluntly referred to it as genocide. And a few weeks ago, the president of the Board of Deputies of British Jews, Marie van der Zyl, wrote to the Chinese ambassador urging the government, Chinese government to release the Uyghurs and other minorities from all ethnic and religious oppression. Now, this was a very strong letter. Marie van der Zyl said, nobody could watch the segment of BBC's Andrew Marshall, on which you appeared yesterday and failed to notice similarities between what is alleged to be happening in the People's Republic of China and what happened in Nazi Germany 75 years ago, people being forcibly loaded onto trains, Beards of religious men being trimmed, women being sterilised and the grim spectre of concentration camps. And she added, the world is watching and the hand of history is poised. In contrast, there hasn't been anything at all from the Vatican. There hasn't been anything at all from Cardinal Nichols. There has just been a deadly, damning silence.
1: But as Catherine Lafferty went on to explain, the Pope hasn't always been silent on the subject of China.
2: Now, in 2017, Pope Francis gave an interview to El Pais, and in this interview, he said something extraordinary. Amid all his pious flannel about the disparities between rich and poor in the world today, and his trademark fortune cookie wisdom, He was asked about China, and he was asked if he would visit China. Yes, of course he would, he said, if he was given an invitation. And then he added, besides in China, the churches are packed. They can worship freely, he said. Now, this would come as news to an awful lot of people in China. Nonetheless, it was a clear indication that the Vatican-China deal was on the cards. The people behind the Vatican's deal with the People's Republic of China, the terms of which are secret, which is itself scandalous, are obviously Pope Francis, his shadowy Secretary of State, the cynical grey blur, which is Cardinal Parolin, and it is thought that another key architect was Francis's old henchman, the now disgraced Theodore McCarrick. Also involved is likely to be Liverpool's own Archbishop, Paul Gallagher, who is now Secretary for Relations with States in the Holy See's Secretariat of State. Ever since the deal was floated, Hong Kong's Cardinal Zen has made repeated, increasingly desperate appeals to Rome, begging the Vatican to think of China's persecuted Catholics. His reward for this has been to be treated with crude discourtesy. Zen has suggested that Parolin has been manipulating Francis over China. Now, this may or may not be true, but either way, in my view, Francis is responsible for what happens in his pontificate. And Zen also has come in for the creepy Stalinist-style smear treatment from Francis's partisans. Speaking of which... The silence about the PRC's crimes against humanity is by no means limited to the Pope and his high command. The silence has spread to Pope Francis' partisans in the media, and the commentariat. Here's a little test you can run yourself on Twitter. Type in a given pro-Francis pundit handle into Twitter and add the word Uyghur. Again and again, you'll find that nothing, absolutely nothing comes up. The Uyghurs tried as faithful underground Catholics... All of those who've been victimised by the PRC and betrayed by Rome have been airbrushed from their social media streams of consciousness. What the Z. bergoglio pact shows us is just what a load of cynical garbage the carefully crafted myth of the baby-cuddling, migrant-welcoming, compassionate Pope is. The repression of the Uyghurs could constitute the greatest crime against humanity since the Shoah. But all Francis and his confederates seem to care about is their next strategic leap to a pliant journalist. Their next photo opportunity. It is sickening.
1: That was Catherine Lafferty. Now listen to what Father Benedict Keeley has to say. This is a Catholic priest who, under the auspices of his charity Nazarene.org, several times risked his life to provide not just spiritual but material support for persecuted and displaced Christians. He's a member of the Ordinariate, which gives him a certain freedom to speak his mind. And that's exactly what you're going to hear him doing. Unfortunately, I could only reach him via a phone line, but nevertheless, the message is very clear. And note that, without prompting, he brings up the subject of money. I asked him if he agreed that the Vatican-China deal was basically, to put it politely, a disaster.
0: Trying to put the best light in the world on this, thinking that this was meant to help sort out the difficulties between the so-called patriotic church, the official church, and the underground church, and to regularise, as the Vatican calls it. Um, the fact is apparently half China's 98 dioceses do not have a bishop two years after this deal. And Patriotic Church, the official communist church, is appointing bishops in theory with the Vatican's approval. But the fact is that two years after this deal, by the way, which is still secret, nobody knows what the Vatican agreed to, what the Chinese government, communist government agreed to. Bishops and priests are being arrested, being thrown out of their homes, being put on the streets, churches are being knocked down, crosses are being knocked off churches. And meanwhile, the coronavirus started in China has been the perfect cover for the Chinese Communist Party to continue severe attacks on all churches, both Catholic and Protestant. Apparently, the deal has gained nothing for the Catholic Church. And there are all the other discussions now as well about money. Various reports have come in about vast amounts of money being paid to the Vatican from the Chinese Communist Party. My point would be, in the end, Damien, though, we're dealing with the dragon and its policy of sinicization is really a worship of the state. It's a cult of China itself. And so that is being forced upon all religious groups in China, including the Catholic Church. So, for example, statues of the Virgin Mary are being removed from Chinese Catholic churches and pictures of President Xi Jinping are being put in place. Hymns are now being sung to Mother China rather than to God or to Christ or to the Virgin Mary. In some ways, it's a a repeat of ancient Chinese history. But the Vatican seems to be either exceedingly naive or exceedingly Stupid or worse, to imagine that the Chinese Communist Party is going to agree to anything that will aid or help actual faith in China. This has nothing to do with helping Chinese Catholic Christians to live their faith. It's about control of Chinese Catholic Christians. I've heard directly from a reporter that's spoken to Cardinal Zen, the great Emeritus Archbishop of Hong Kong, who says that he believes that Pope Francis is naive. It's not Francis who has agreed to this, it's Cardinal Parolin, the Secretary of State. I fear, holy man, that he is Cardinal Zen, is perhaps naive himself. This comes from the top. Why? I honestly can't answer. I I can't comprehend why the Vatican would make this deal with a regime that is, apart from North Korea, probably now the most repressive regime in the entire world. Its apparatus of face recognition and use of technology is now truly demonic. For example, as well, this deal means that no minors, no children, can attend any kind of religious instruction in church, which is a way, of course, of wiping out any hope of future Christians being brought up in the faith. The mind bubbles. it's extraordinary. One doesn't want to think the worst, but once again follow the money. If it's true, and that's a big question if, if it's true that vast amounts of Communist Party money have been appearing in the Vatican, then we just have to follow the trail.
1: Now, as I said earlier, that's easier said than done. The Vatican is extremely good at concealing its misappropriation of funds, as we've discovered over the last couple of years. Essentially, at the moment, the rumours boil down to one bombshell claim by the Chinese tycoon Guo Wengui, a billionaire based in the United States who's one of the Chinese Communist Party's most ferocious opponents. Speaking in June on a podcast hosted by Steve Bannon, he claimed that China is bribing the Vatican with £1.6 billion a year to stop them criticising... China's persecution of religious believers. That claim has yet to be properly investigated. In my experience, the media are extremely slow to investigate anything associated with Pope Francis. And it must be said that Vatican experts who aren't particularly friendly to Francis doubt that it's true, or at least that anything like those enormous sums of money have changed hands. But my instinct, and at the moment it's no more than that, is that China is subsidising the Holy See. Buying influence is what China does, and the Vatican, for its part, is generally being very aggressive in seeking donations to plug the black hole created by the appalling mismanagement of its finances. Has Beijing bought Pope Francis' silence? We don't know, but the theory is plausible enough that we need to find out. Let me leave you with a story which, while it doesn't actually constitute evidence, does suggest, yet again, that Begoglio's Vatican is morally corrupted in its dealings with the People's Republic of China. In March, when the Covid pandemic was reaching its European peak, Both Taiwan and Communist China donated health supplies, including face masks, to the Vatican pharmacy. They were both big donations, and Taiwan's came attached with a rather touching message from its ambassador to the Holy See. Announcing the donation of 280,000 medical masks to the Vatican hospitals and religious institutes, the ambassador said, ''It's a sign of closeness to Pope Francis and to the Italian people, but also a help to the Italian church, which is very committed in accompanying the sick and most needy who suffer from the coronavirus. A lovely message, really. One you might think deserved a public thank you from the Vatican, but no. But when the donation arrived from a regime that tortures priests, shoves people of faith into concentration camps, and demolishes churches, there was an explosion of sycophancy in the Vatican press office. It said... The Holy See appreciates the generous gesture and expresses gratitude to the bishops, Catholic faithful, institutions, and all other Chinese citizens for this humanitarian initiative, assuring them of the esteem and prayers of the Holy Father. But actually, I don't think China needs to be assured that it's held in high esteem by the Holy Father. His silence over the Uyghurs and any other atrocity committed by China speaks very loudly. Did I just say Holy Father? Well, that's his traditional title. But these days it carries about as much moral authority as Dear Leader.
0: Twelve weeks for £12. Subscribe to The Spectator for this excellent deal and get a £20 Amazon voucher at www.spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher.